Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. I want to start off today with a multiple choice. Um, Anybody wish that they were back in high school again and could have some of those multiple choice um, exams? Um, So here's a multiple choice for you. Uh, Who invented the football huddle? Who invented the football huddle? So was it Walter Camp? Was it Paul Hubbard? Was it Vince Lombardi? Or was it John Heisman? So take just a second, turn to uh, the person on your left and right, tell them A, B, C, or D. A, B, C, or D. Was it Walter Camp, Paul Hubbard? Was it Vince Lombardi or John Heisman? And um, uh, the drum roll. Mr. Paul Hubbard. That was pretty anticlimactic, I think. Um, Paul Hubbard, it's actually a cool story because um, uh, the football huddle didn't originate until uh, 25 years after the game of football was created. And uh, the story is kind of neat because um, uh, Paul Hubbard was the quarterback of um, a a private university in Washington, D.C. that was for um, those that are deaf and those that are hard of hearing. And so what they would do in the game is they would uh, use sign language uh, in order to communicate the plays that they were going to run. And what Paul began to to recognize was that the defense uh, began to learn sign language, and so they would be able to interpret the plays that were going to be able to be ran. And so Paul had this brilliant idea. He said, I'm going I'm to gather all of my teammates together uh, in a circle, and I'm going to call the play there so that we can go out and execute the play, and nobody will know what it is. And uh, then a couple years later, the um, uh, coach at the University of Chicago uh, took that idea and really made it what it is now because he saw that not only was it an opportunity to share the play, uh, but it was an opportunity for players to come together and to be able to give encouragement and to be able to have a sense of, of camaraderie and teamwork so that they can make every play a success. Uh, pretty cool background story, isn't it, about where the huddle came from. And uh, the reason why I'm sharing that story with you today is because, because in the game of life, we all have a huddle. We all have a huddle in the game of life, but many times we fail to realize that who we have in our huddle matters. Hey, turn to somebody next to you, say, it matters. Tell them, it matters. It matters. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, Solomon, the writer, uh, this is what he says, some great wisdom. He says, the righteous, meaning, you know, those that are really trying to pursue God's will for their life, that they're going to choose their friends carefully. They're going to choose them carefully. And here's what I believe Solomon understood. He understood that our lives are influenced by three different types of people. 
Our lives can be influenced by people that are positive influences. These are like some some spiritual kind of encouragers that are there to propel us towards God's will for our lives. Um, Or in our huddle of life, we can have some negative influences. These are some kind of carnal people that are living their life all about themselves and their desires. Those kind of people in our huddle can prevent us from God's will for our life. And then we might have some some, uh, lukewarm, some neutral influences in our life. And fortunately, those people can't really prevent us from experiencing God's will for our life, but they can certainly postpone it from happening. And so Solomon, in recognizing that, he said, you know, righteous people, people, not perfect people, but people that want and have a desire to become all that God has created them to be, that they're gonna be the kind of people that choose the people in their huddle carefully. And uh, today, what I wanna do is I wanna take um, some time, and I'm talking about why the people in our huddle matters so much uh, to us seeing and experiencing God's will for our life. And, uh, and then I want to give you a few tools um, that I believe will help you be propelled to seeing and experiencing that. So we've been in this series called Game Plan. This is week three. And um, this series is kind of built around trying to answer three of life's most important questions. And so the first two weeks, we spent time really focusing on these first two questions. What is God's will for my life and why does it matter? What is his will and why does it matter? And we spent the last two weeks really taking a look at some of the foundational principles to God's will. We didn't focus on, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? You know, when is it going to happen? We didn't focus on that. We focused on what are, the, what are the kind of global principles that apply in your life, they apply in my life, what is God's heart about his will? And, uh, and then the next four weeks, what I want to do is I want to share four different practical ways um, that God reveals his will for our life. And I want us to try, to try to answer this last question, how can I live out God's will for my life? Um, so we are, uh, in these next four weeks, we're going to be using this amazing prop this morning. Can you give it up for my buddy, Andrew Briner, for building that for us? Thanks, Andrew. Such a great job. Um, but I want to use this prop uh, for the next four weeks to try to illustrate how God's will works in our life. And I want you to imagine God's will on the other side of this wall. Now, unfortunately, all of us would love it if God would just drop down, deposit, this is my specific will for you, and then, and then we just go do it. Um, but I don't know about you, but I've never had that happen for me. Um, and I think the reason why is because God desires us to trust him and to live a life of faith. And so instead of God just revealing what's on the other side of the wall, what he does is he gives us a window. 
He gives us the opportunity to be able to discern and to be able to see some things, although we may not see the entire picture of what's on the other side. He provides some tools for us to be able to get a glimpse of what's there so that we can develop the faith to be able to walk through it. And so today what I want to do is I want to, I want to talk to you about the first practical tool that God uses to help us to be able to see what his will is for our life. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about the importance of the influence of other people that are in our huddle. And so if you got your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter uh, 18, Exodus chapter 18, we're going to be looking at the story of Moses and his father-in-law, uh, Jethro. Isn't that a name? Is there anybody named Jethro in there? Yeah, Jethro is just, it's a name, it's a name. Um, today, I want to talk to you from uh, this title, Who's in Your Huddle? Who's in your huddle? Hey, turn to the people next to you, ask them, who's in your huddle? Who's in your huddle? You know, the kind of people that we have in our huddle, it, it matters. It matters. And throughout Scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, what we see is we see the influence of, of, of good, positive people in, in huddles. We see the influence of, of negative people. We see even the influence of neutral people. But one of the things that I feel like in this uh, story of Moses is we see a positive influence in Moses's life that really helps him um, in a, a certain season of his life to be able to identify what God's will is as he begins to move into the next season of leadership. And so here's kind of the backdrop of what's happening. Exodus chapter 18, um, Moses and the people of Israel are a few months removed from the Exodus. So you may, well, you know, you may have heard um, uh, the whole idea of the people of Israel and they were in um, slavery, captivity to Egypt and God comes in and uses Moses, and there's a whole story there, but uses Moses to, to free the people for Pharaoh to release and, and to free the people of Israel. And then they began this journey in life of, of moving towards God's preferred future for them, which is the promised land. And uh, if you are not familiar, that story parallels, it's a foreshadowing of the journey that you and I are on in our life that when we submit our life to Jesus Christ, that it is a freeing from captivity. And then we go on this journey in life towards God's preferred future, the promised land. And if you're anything like me and the people of Israel, uh, you spend some years stuck in the desert, in the wilderness, going round and round about. And so, and this story where we're picking up in chapter 18 is they're a couple months removed and everything inside of Moses is wanting to be faithful and to follow God's will for his life. But not only is that, but he has a passion and a desire to help the people he is leading experience God's will for their life. And uh, what's interesting about the story is that 
A lot of scholars believe there's a reference in the Bible that talks about 600,000. And back in those days, they uh, usually the counts that they would do of people were the men that were present. Uh, the women and children did not get included. That was part of their culture back then. And so a lot of the theologians believe that we're looking at about two to two and a half million people um, that God has used Moses to pull out of, of captivity. And so here we are a few months removed from that. And um, how many of you know that, that people can be people sometimes, right? People can just be people. And so uh, the, these uh, Israelites began to, to complain. They began to argue. Some of them are, are, are doing that with one another. Uh, they're, they're beginning to, to voice their opinion of wishing like they wish that they could go back to um, the captivity because they knew what was, what was there rather than the freedom in the midst of the unknown, not knowing the next season, which a lot of us fall into that trap. We'd rather spend the rest of our life like addicted to some sort of sin because it's familiar rather than have the courage to step out in faith and to find freedom because there's an element of the unknown that's there. And so a lot of times we choose the familiar rather than the unknown. And we, just like these people, um, run the risk of missing out on all that God has for us when we do that. And so here in Exodus 18, um, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, uh, begins to come up to this moment and, and, and he sees, I can only imagine what was going through his mind, like as he's walking closer and closer and two and a half million people is a lot, a lot of people. And uh, in the desert, um, I would assume that the smell of those people uh, hit him well before he could see the people. Um, but he begins to walk up and he recognizes in this moment um, Moses is bragging on all the things that God is doing, bragging in a good way, just like, man, God has been awesome. Look what he's doing. But Jethro notices something about the way that Moses is leading people in this current season, and he's concerned about it. He's concerned that for Moses, that if he continues to do what he's doing, that he's going to end up burning himself out missing out on God's will for his life, which ultimately the people that he's leading would end up missing out. And so here's what Jethro or what happens in the story. We're gonna pick up in verse 13. It says, Moses took a seat to hear the people's disputes against each other and they waited before him from morning till evening. Sounds like an amazing job to me. Does it sound good to you? Like, I, I'm not sure that... Uh, Anybody is submitting their resume to monster.com to apply for that job. Um, and here's what it says in verse 14. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked these two questions. He said, what are you really accomplishing here? And then he says, why are you trying to do all of this alone while everyone stands around you from morning until evening? Now, there's something that's happening here in this moment where Moses is struggling to be able to see reality, and Jethro is able to step in and to help Moses see a blind spot in his life and in his leadership. And he says this in verse 15, Moses then responds, well, I'm doing it because all the people, they just keep coming to me, right? They just keep coming 
and uh, to get a ruling from God. And so when a dispute arises, they come to me and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and I give them his instructions. And then Jethro says this in verse 17. He says, this ain't good. Like it ain't, it ain't good that, that two and a half million people who are grumbling and complaining that they got to come to your doorstep to find any kind of resolution. Like that's not good. And he says in verse 18, he says, you're going to end up wearing yourself out and the people too. Why the people too? Because they're the ones, they're waiting from morning to night. I mean, can you imagine, they already are grumbling and complaining. They're already disagreeing. And now they got to stand in the hot sun all day in order to get up to Moses just to be able to share. Like, like I don't know if you've ever been at a theme park and you're standing in like the two hour line and then you get like within five uh, people of the thing and then the roller coaster breaks or something and then they got to put the thing up and then you leave, like, you know, you get frustrated, you get irritated. Well, I mean, that has to be happening in this situation. And, and Jethro, um, the response here, he says, this job is just too heavy of a burden for you to handle all by yourself. In other words, he's trying to help Moses understand that, that the way that he is going about doing what God is calling him to do, that it's unsustainable, that he's being blinded by the weight of his responsibilities and everything that's going on, and he just couldn't see it. And so in verse 19, Jethro says this. He says, now, I want you to listen to me. He said, and let me give you a word of advice. Any, anybody thankful that somebody has given you a word of advice uh, at some point along your life? He says, and may God be with you, that you should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions Show them how to conduct their lives, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the, the smaller matters themselves. He says, they will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. And then watch this in verse 23. He says, if you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so. I love this part because a lot of times we have people in our huddle that they'll, they're, they, we got enough people that are quick to give us advice, right? Quick to, and then have you ever had somebody give you advice, and then when you ended up not doing what they advised you, they made sure you knew, right, that you should have done it, and they, they throw the guilt trip out, and then if you miss it, they're quick to remind you, well, I told you, I told you. Well, what I love about Jethro in this is that not only does he give words of advice, but then he says, and do what God is commanding you to do. It's kind of like this when I, when I talk with people, um, I will share some wisdom, I will share some advice, but I always tell them this. I say, use the strainer of the Holy Spirit, 
right? The strainer, like for noodles, use the strainer of the Holy Spirit to help pull out the stuff that I have recommended that might not be of God for you in this season and keep the things that the Holy Spirit is affirming in your heart. And that's what Jethro is doing right here in this moment. And he says this, he goes on, he says, then um, as you follow the advice and you do what God's commanding you to do, he says, then this is what's gonna happen, that you're gonna be able to endure the pressures. And I love that part too, because um, it doesn't say anything about taking away the pressures. Doesn't say anything about just like pulling us out of the difficult season or, or navigating like the, the, the marriage struggles or navigating the financial struggles. It doesn't say anything about like dropping the miracle in our lap. But what it does say is that when we, when we heed the advice of of the spiritual people that are in our huddle and we listen to how the Holy Spirit would say to apply that in our life, that he says this, that you can endure the pressures. Like you can, you can lean in and make it through that difficult season in your life because you have embraced what God is saying and what others are saying in your life. And he says, and all these people, they're gonna end up going home and peace. I want to ask you this question. Do you have people like Jethro in your huddle? Do you have people in your huddle that, that can give you words of advice that are, are not so like arrogant in and of themselves that they're going to hold the guilt trip, the guilt stuff over you if if you still miss it? Like, do you have people that in your huddle that can help you see clearly when the pressures of life are, are kind of limiting your ability to be able to see? I think one thing that I like about this story too is that it's one thing to like to get good advice, but it's a whole nother thing to follow through on that good advice. And what we see here in verse 24 is it says that Moses listened he listened to his father-in-law, listened to his advice and followed his suggestions. I think it's interesting um, in the story that, that God had been speaking to Moses. Moses had been obedient leading up to this moment. That Moses also had the job to, to kind of sit in the chair and to hear people's um, disputes and, and to take it before God and, and God would speak to Moses on how to handle the situation. It wasn't that God wasn't speaking on the situation. It was that, you know, two and a half million situations can be, <laughs> can be quite a bit. And, um, and then if you continue to read um, scripture, you'll see that God continued to speak to Moses even in future seasons and situations. And so it made me kind of wonder, like, why, why would God in this specific moment choose to speak through Jethro instead of choosing to speak to Moses? And I was kind of thinking, like, and thinking about my own life and thinking about some of the seasons that I've walked through. And here's what I think was happening. I think Moses was 
so laser focused, so tunnel focused on trying to fulfill his responsibilities that God was trying to speak to him, but he was unable to hear what God was trying to say because, right, he's able to hear what God's saying about other people, but he's not really listening to what God is trying to say about him. And because Moses was in that kind of a predicament and because God cared so much about him and his purposes for his life and his purposes for the people that Moses would end up leading, that God spoke through Jethro, a guy who wanted the best for Moses in the situation, and God had to use somebody like Jethro in order to get through to Moses. Unfortunately, Moses listens, and on the other side of that, Moses learns a valuable lesson that you and I need to walk out of here today understanding a lesson that we've got to apply in our own life, and it's this, that if we don't have the right people in our huddle, then we will walk down the wrong path in our life. If we don't have the Jethro's, if we don't have the right people in our huddle, then we're going to end up walking down the wrong path in our life. So today I want to take just a few more minutes and I want to share with you three types of people that you and I need in our life in order for us to be able to, 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 to see God's will a little clearer so that we can ultimately experience his will in our life. Now, I'm going to say this about a huddle. How many, how many people are in a huddle? I'm going to test the football knowledge in the room. 11. There we go. I, 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 we all get scared whenever the pastor asks a question like that. Like, what if you yell the question out and it's wrong? Like, um, 11 people in the huddle, and I want to talk about three. Because these are three people that are, are directly associated with seeing and experiencing God's will for our life. We all need more than these three that I'm going to share uh, today. In my life, I'm a, I'm a serious kind of guy. Like, I, I'm just, I'm serious. And so I need some, I need some characters in my life. I, I need some people that, that kind of lighten the mood. I need some people that make me laugh. And, uh, and so I need some of those people in my life for me to, to, to really beca- become the person that God has created me to be. And so you probably have some other people in your huddle that you need, but these are three that I want to share with you today that are directly, um, will directly impact whether you can see and experience God's will. First one is this, we got to have some coaches. We got to have some coaches in our Huddle. I don't know if you've heard this uh, Chinese proverb. Uh, to know the road ahead, you got to ask somebody who's coming back. To know the road that is ahead of you, you've got to ask those who are on their way back from the destination that you were headed to. And that's really what a good coach is. It's somebody who is far enough along the, the, the path of life that they can give you some good advice, but they're not so far down the path that they're detached from reality. Amen. Hey, anybody ever get some advice that's totally detached 
from reality. These are people who who have a, a knowledge of God's word, but not just a knowledge, but they have wisdom too. Now, here's the, here's the difference. Knowledge is more information-based and wisdom is more application-based. So it's kind of like this. Um, um, knowledge, when, when driving, knowledge recognizes that there is a stoplight. It's wisdom that says, apply the brakes. <laughs> Knowledge sees a stoplight, but wisdom says apply the brakes. And we need those kind of people in our life. We need the kind of people that, that, that they know God's word. But it's not just the way they demonstrate. It's not just they know it, they can memorize the passages, but they don't really have the fruit that displays from it. Like we need the kind of people that know God's word, but they can also take the word and they can help us apply it in our life, we need some coaches. The second um, type of person that we need in our huddle are some counselors, some counselors. I don't know about you, but I have benefited from some counselors in my life. Like I am raising every appendage I got. Like, like I have benefited. We benefit from, from godly counselors in our life. And where coaches seem to kind of challenge us. Counselors are there to, to console us. They're, they're the people that in the game of life will call a timeout for us. The people that will help us to be able to translate and to be able to process the issues that you and I have going on in our heart because we all got them. The problem is, as many times we just don't deal with them, right? Like turn to your neighbor, tell it, say, you got issues, Tell them you have issues. Some of you married couples are really enjoying this. You have issues. You have issues. We all have issues. And what godly counselors do in our life, and they don't have to necessarily have a degree or certification. There's, we've got people in our church that, that are just, they, they have that gift. They have that spiritual gift to be able to, to help people through the difficulties of life, but they help us, they come alongside of us, help us to resist the emotional decisions that oftentimes we make when we struggle to see the difference between the way that we perceive a hurt or an experience and reality. Counselors are the kind of people that could come in and they can, they can take those and they can help us see that, that, that maybe the way that we're perceiving the situation isn't quite the reality of the situation. And we all need those kind of people in our huddle. And then the last one, and I'm sorry, uh, the last one is comrades. And I'm so sorry about that word. I, it's really friends. It's friends. But I had two C words and I couldn't take, think of another C word for, and friends wasn't a C word. So I was like, I can't use that one. Um, and, uh, uh, and so I came up with comrades and it's awful, but it's, it, they all have C's. So, um, but where coaches and counselors, they're usually on the, on the outside kind of helping us look inward Friends or comrades are on the inside and they're helping us look outward. These are the kind of people that we, we are constantly doing life with. These are people that, that they know us. 
Like they've, they've seen us without the mask enough that they know when we're wearing the mask. They love us enough to, to call us out on it. These are people that we laugh with. These are people that we cry with, people that we do life with, people that can help us to see the, the blind spots in our life because we've all got them. And they, and they challenge us that despite the imperfections in our life, they challenge us to keep going. I think these are the people that Proverbs 17, 7 speaks of, the, the people that are always loyal. These are the people in, in our huddle that, are, that were born to help us in our time of need. And I don't know for you, I don't, I don't know if you come in today and, and you've got those kind of people in your huddle or maybe you don't. But one thing that I have discovered in my own journey is that the best place to find those kind of people, if I don't have them, is in the context of what we call here small groups. It's, it's a ministry that allows us to take a big room like this where we can walk in and we can recognize a face but not really know a name, where, where people... They kind of see the outside, like we can, we can put on the mask and nobody really knows if we've got the mask on or not. But in small groups, it's a place where the group is smaller, a place where we're able to, to, to get to know people on a deeper level and they can get to know us on a deeper level. It's a place where you and I experience really true biblical community. It's a place where we can be known, a place where we could be loved, where we could be cared for, where we could be challenged to win in the game of life. Friend, we all need that. We all need that because there's not a single one of us in this room that doesn't desire to live out God's will for our life. But if we don't have some coaches, if we don't have some counselors, if we don't have some comrades, as stupid as that word is, in our life, in our huddle, if we don't have that, we're going to end up going the wrong way in our life. I heard this amazing story this week that I want to close with. It's, maybe you've heard of it, the touchdown heard around the world. It's a moving story about a high schooler by the name of Jake Porter. Jake was a senior in high school. Jake was born with mental retardation and he couldn't read. He could barely even write his name, but Jake loved football. And he'd play on the team. He wouldn't ever get in the game, but he, he was on the team and he was on the sideline and he would encourage his teammates. And, and in his last year, his, his coach wanted to do something special. He wanted to do something special for Jake. And so he reached out to the opposing coach that they were getting ready to play and he asked the coach this question. He said, listen, if, if the game is separated enough, if it's not gonna be 
um, a, a win or lose decision. I want to do something special for Jake on my team. I want to I want to give him the opportunity to run one play, to get in the game one time and to run one play. And, and, and Jake's coach told the opposing coach, here's, here's all I want to do. I want to, I want to if it's okay with you, and, and we'll make the decision in the moment, we'll, we'll, we'll have Jake come in and we'll hike the ball to Jake and we'll let Jake just take a knee so that Jake can have the experience of not just loving football, but playing football. What's interesting uh, about this story is that the opposing team ended up getting up 42 to nothing. And with five seconds left, Jake's coach calls a timeout. And he begins to walk out to midfield and Jake is walking with him. And, and the coach um, meets the opposing coach at middle field and they begin to have a conversation and the conversation didn't quite go the way that everybody had anticipated because the opposing coach, who this would be the first game that he had ever gotten a shutout, is over here raising his arms and throwing his head around and there's an obvious disagreement that's happening and the referee steps in and the referee kind of calms it down, gets the game resumed and here's what happens. They hike the ball to Jake. Jake gets kind of confused and turns around and all the players start on the offense, start pointing to the end zone. The referee's over here and he's pointing to the end zone. And then, and then the opposing team defense separates. And Jake runs right through the middle, scores a touchdown. Everybody's going crazy. There's not a single mom in the stands that, 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 that has dry eyes. They're crying. Like all the dads are out there like cheering and yelling and, and all the players on both sidelines, they got their helmets off and they're just cheering Jake on. I mean, what an amazing moment. What a cool story. A story that almost didn't happen. And here's why it almost didn't happen. Because when the two coaches met at midfield and Jake's coach reminded him of the moment and said, we want, to, we want Jake to be able to run one play and we're gonna hike it to him and he's gonna take a knee. The opposing coach looked at him, waving his arms and said, I don't want him to take a knee. I want him to score. The disagreement at midfield wasn't because the coach that was about to get his only shutout wasn't going to get it. It's because a coach that was about to get his only shutout wanted Jake not to kneel, but to score. Friend, in one way or another, we are all Jake. All of us are a Jake and we need people in our huddle that aren't gonna allow us to take a knee when things get difficult, that aren't gonna allow us to take a knee when we don't think that we can keep on going, that aren't gonna allow us to take a knee when we begin to settle with, with our current life rather than experiencing God's best. But we need people in the huddle like this opposing coach 
that with everything inside of them are committed to helping us score in life. Would you bow your head with me today? Our prayer team is gonna make their way to the corners. I want you, I want you in this moment to bow your head and to close your eyes. And I want you to ask God this question. God, what are you speaking to me? God, in this message about the influence of others and the people that are in my huddle, what are you speaking to me today? Friend, maybe for you in this moment, God has given you a pat on the back because you've made some difficult decisions and you've got some positive people in your huddle that are helping propel you to God's will for your life. But maybe, maybe for you today, maybe God is kind of poking and pricking at your heart. Maybe he's even putting some faces and some names in your mind of people that are in your huddle that are either preventing or postponing God's will for your life. Friend, the reason why the Lord would bring that up to your memory today is because he wants the best for you. And he knows what's on the other side of that wall. And if you'll just have the courage to have a difficult conversation with somebody, you can make a decision not to settle, but to experience all that he has for you. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to close this out in a prayer, but before we do that, I want to remind you that our prayer team is off in the corners. The Lord's speaking to you today. If he's stirring something in your heart, if he's, if he's pulling a name or a face um, in your mind in this moment, I want to encourage you to, to take the courage, courageous step. And, and after, we, after we pray, that you kind of go off into the corner. They would love the opportunity to to talk with you and to pray with you today, or maybe there's something else going on in your life this week and you just need somebody to come alongside and agree with you, they're, they're here and they're available. They'll stay as long as, as, as you wanna stay. They, they are here to pour into you in this moment. And I wanna say, if today's your first time, hey, welcome home. Make sure you stop by the Connect Center on your way out. Love the chance uh, to meet you today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord for your word. And we thank you, Father, that, God, you've got amazing plans for our life. And that, Father, you don't want anything to get in the way of all that you have for us. And so today, as we learn about the importance of the people that we have in our huddles, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to take the bold steps that you're calling us to make today. God, help us to not settle for complacency. Help us to not settle or be scared of a conversation and miss out on all that you have for us. So Father, we just, we ask that you would move, that you would speak and that you would give us the boldness to step out in faith and to do. Now, Lord, be with us this week. Lord, let this be the best week of our lives. Lord, I pray that we would sense your spirit closer than ever before and give us an opportunity to share with others what you have done in our lives. And God, we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.